And good morning on this wet Friday, April 19th from Lexington, Kentucky. That was somebody like you, but Keith Urban's off his greatest hits. And somebody like you are, are make are the ones that make this uh, podcast and Racing with Bruno go around. So thank you very much, and we appreciate all of you that are listening in. We have a wet Friday uh, here at Keeneland. Uh, we've got a, a lot of weather this weekend. And I want to get the opportunity, you know, we only have a couple of weeks before the Kentucky Derby. <clears throat> and I'm going to talk a little bit about the Derby, a couple of handicapping ways of looking at Kentucky Derby horses and The biggest thing I want to talk to you about today is how to handicap wet tracks. Uh, We talk about wet tracks a lot. And today is a great example of of playing tracks that are off, off the turf. And a lot of players look for mud breeding. And I'm not so sure... That's the way to go. Uh, yeah, you could have a horse that's bred to handle the mud, and it doesn't. Why? Because each person is an individual. My brothers are different than me. Um, I can handle a lot of things, and maybe I can't handle some of the things that my brothers do. Just because we're brothers doesn't mean that we actually could be able to handle the mud kick back in the face, etc. And one of the things that that I do on off-track races is I look for horses to get clear trips outside of the slop, outside of the kickback. How many times have we have seen the winner in a in a race off the turf or on the main, and the rider comes back without a speck of mud on them. The blinkers, especially if they're white, they don't have a speck of mud on a, a, a mud on them. The horse looks clean when he comes to the winter circle, and all the other horses look like they just, you know, went off four wheel uh, off roading. So there is something to that. So when I look at races. At, and I start off looking at races on the dirt. I do the off track later. And working without scratches, obviously. Um, that's always a key. You know, you can't wait till 11 o'clock in the, in the morning to start your handicapping with the scratches because it's an hour before post, an hour and a half. At Saratoga, you barely get an hour. Um, so I look, start looking from the outside in, I look at outside post positions and a great example is race two at Keeneland today. Looking at this race, I am, I, I was trying to figure out with scratches, it's hard to handicap without scratches. So you know, like, like, like I said, you know, in, in New York, you don't get them till 10, 30, 11 o'clock during the summer. 
So it's very hard to put that together. So you have to take your, your best guess and use your experience to get an idea of who's staying in and who's going. Here in this second race at Keeneland, it's a, it's a nine furlong race. It's a full field. What's interesting about this is that you've got a longer run to the first turn, so you don't have to worry about the outside post positions as much. Having said that, I have seen races in the slop at Keeneland, won by horses going four, five, four, five wide. Remember Nyquist in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile? He was five wide every step of the way. Never had an ounce of kickback in his face and, and, and handle it. So sometimes the outside post and a wide trip in the clear trumps any trip saving ground but getting kick, getting dirt, mud in your face. So a lot of the times I will start from the outside and... Um, on the outside in, um, and, you know, for example, in that race, Jose Ortiz worked daring before the horse ever started. And I think Jose was out of town when that horse ran first time out, and Irad kept him out for him. And the horse came back with a real big drill here. It's always looked like she, she wanted to go a distance of ground. She's very interesting to me here. With the blinkers on, Jose finally gets on for DJ Stable and, and Cassius King. Uh, Cassius King, one of my former partners. And she's listed as 6-1 to one off a of four-star work. That's the kind of horse I'm going to look for. That's going to sit, hopefully, 3-4 wide. So, something to... Um, something to, to look forward to in that second race. But when you're looking at these races... You're looking for the outside in. Horses to get clean trips. Now, how about off the turf? Those are tough because MTOs sometimes are not the way to go. Uh, there's one in today. There's one in a race today that gets in. It's going to get in if everything. And by the way, I don't have any information yet. I don't know if they're coming off the turf or not. Um, and it was... Um, it's one of the races where there's an MTO, and the MTO didn't run any well either first time out at all on the dirt. So why is he an MTO? We'll have to see. You know, I, I try to look for speed, and again, I do the same thing. I look from the outside in, and a horse that could get a, a good trip. Um, so if you're going to have a rule on off tracks, handicap from the outside in, outside posts first. The next thing we can talk about is about this American pharaoh hysteria. Yes, hysteria. Reading social media and it makes me believe that people actually have the belief that these American pharaohs have wings like Pegasus. Well, they, they're horses. Just like any Uncle Moe's, Tapatures, Pioneer of the Niles, Overanalyze, and so on and so forth. They're horses. I've looked at them. No wings. 
And the one thing about them that's interesting is they're stretchy long types that look like are going to do better when they get longer. Not at four and a half. They're fast. They have some speed. <clears throat> they're going to... American Pharaohs are a lot like Unbridled Songs. Unbridled Songs were very, very athletic horses that looked like they wanted to be early. But when you pushed on them, you hurt them because they weren't ready to do what they were supposed to do. They were really bred to be much better as three-year-olds. But because they were so athletic, people pushed them early in their two-year-old season. That's how a lot of people ruin horses is they push because of the athleticism but they don't happen to watch why that, how that horse is developing bone-wise. Are their knees still open? Uh, are, are, there are a lot of different things you look at. And so there's this hysteria that American Pharaoh, they're, they're on a different, from a different planet. Well, just like any other stallion, some of them wouldn't be able to outrun the Pegasus statue. And... They're going to have confirmational issues. They're going to be built wrong. They're going to, you know, have been pushed too hard too soon. So you don't know. The first race today at Aqueduct is an interesting race because it pits the same situation we had uh, on Wednesday where you had a first American pharaoh to start in the, in the USA from the Wesley Ward barn shipping up to, um, to Aqueduct. And funny, it's... I mentioned that on the sheet yesterday, it's a, it was a half, Tessarina is her name. She was a half-sister to Breedus Bay that ran yesterday. And Breedus Bay is shown to be a five-for-long sprinter. It doesn't have any stamina. And guess what Tessarina did first time out at four to five? Opened up, looked like it was going to be an easy winner and fell apart. And who beat him? Pletcher and Rapoli. Well, here you have Maven, the four horse, owned by Richard Raven. Uh, and it's a two-year-old colt by American Pharaoh out of an Any Given Saturday Mare, Richie's Party Girl, who's actually trained okay. It's at a 47-2 here at Keeneland, a 34 out of the gate. The horse is pretty quick. Um, it's going to show a lot of speed, and and the key here is been it's bred by Wesley Ward. Being bred by Wesley Ward, to me, moves it up five lengths, um, and he puts Dylan, Dylan Davis on, which is really interesting, too. No Johnny Velasquez. Um, you got Javier Castellano that's on the three women, not easy for Rudy Rodriguez. A fast Anna baby uh, out of OBS March uh, that's being pushed real quick off OBS March right into a, a two-year-old race in, in April. Wow. Uh, and you have uh, two from the Pletcher Barn shipping up from Palm Beach Downs. And I find... Overanalyze babies, uh, the one analyzer risk, overanalyze babies from the Rapoli stable to be uh, horses that do very, very well. I also find it interesting that uh, Rapoli bought this overanalyzed colt for uh, for uh, 25000 out of the face it tipped in October. So it was bred by Three Lions Racing. Uh, but we know Rapoli, I think he owns overanalyze. So uh, it's a, an Irate Ortiz is going to ride. I, I think that's a really interesting situation with this, with this first-time starters from the Pletcher Barn against Wesley Ward again. I think they're both going to go. Uh, you might even get eight to five on the Pletchers here. It's just an interesting race because I, I just 
watching those two particular camps, uh, you know Wesley sends them ready, but running up in New York at four and a half and running at Keeneland at four and a half, two totally different things. So I'm very interested to see how this race shapes up. You won't get any price on either one of them. So it's one of those races that you watch and you make your notes. I, I put my money on Rapoli in New York over Wesley. So uh, I, I'm going on a limb and say they'll run one too. But that's sometimes a little way of looking at the way horses, uh, the way the race shapes up from a connection standpoint. It's a five-horse field uh, with six horses in it. And sometimes I just look at who the connections are. If I've got a Chad Brown and a Clarovich, obviously that, or a Chad Brown and a Peter Brandt, or I get a Michael Dubb and Jason Service, or a Michael Dubb and, 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 and a Bruce Levine, or so on and so forth. I look at those things, and, and I put a lot of stock and weight in that. And in this case, Rapoli has proven to be king of New York uh, at this, at this, in this kind of races. So that's something to think about. Now let's move on over to uh, the Kentucky Derby. Uh, I was supposed to make my debut this morning at Churchill Downs, but with the weather, we did not. We're probably going on Monday and start our, our, our derby coverage there in the morning. Uh, Keeneland has been very busy. Uh, I had Code of Honor uh, yesterday galloping. Got a chance to see him uh, in the paddock. Uh, and, uh, getting ready to warming up for going out and, and putting together a really good gallop. Uh, I was expecting him to work today, but I'd be very surprised if Shug worked him in the slop. I wouldn't put it past him, but um, it is pretty sloppy out there right now. But uh, also, I felt Code of Honor looked really well, and he galloped really strong. When they gallop really strong, they work really strong. They work very well. So, oh, Sometimes when you're watching a gallop too, and give you it gives you some intent of what's to come. If a horse gallops really strong for a trainer, most likely they will work an easy 50, 49. But yesterday, Code of Honor finished off his gallop in about 14. And it tells me that that's 14 for a furlong. That tells me that he would have him go an easy... 49 and change 50 when he does work them. Now, if he would have completely taken it and he's doing 16s and 17s in the gallops, I would have expected a much stronger work, uh, you know, when he does put in his uh, breeze uh, for the Derby. So if you happen to see a missing work from Code of Honor, don't fret. He had a big gallop on Thursday the 19th, and that puts him in, in, in a good spot. These horses are overtrained to begin with. You do know that, right? Uh, I think Jason Service is showing that. A lot of these horses don't need to be honed on every seven days. If you're waiting to see a 59 or a, 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 a 112 every single time out, you're really barking up the wrong tree. You really are showing that you have absolutely no idea what it, these works take out of horses. <clears throat> and you wonder why horses don't last that long. I am a more of a the camp and understanding that everybody can't be Baffert and work these horses fast. Everybody can't be a California trainer and work these horses fast. Look in the position they are in right now. Horses are overtrained as we talk. They're overtrained. 
And a lot of the times when you see horses working lesser distances and lesser times between races, all you're doing is saving horse. And a lot of people want to see the bullet works. Let me just get this out to you straight out. If you have not listened to the bullet works uh, podcast we did. A lot of clockers across the country, New York especially, and in Florida too, they manipulate the workout rankings. The bullet works that you so sought after, seek after are BS. So stop looking at bullet works as an indication of current form. They are not. So if you think you know better than me, you come on out in the morning and you watch the horses and you clock your own horses and then you tell me what you see. Oh, well, wait a minute. You can't do that because you can't even figure out how horses break from the pole. So those I, I love those people that want to argue with me on Twitter about works because they saw it on a video. Apples and oranges, folks. Apples and oranges. And I like apples and oranges. But stop looking at works as Time is an indicator of what of what current form is. It is not. So I wanted to get that out in the open. Now you got me all boiled up. Um, very interested to see what the races are today. See what the track is, what the scratches are. Um, and use our advice. Handicap for the outside in on these off-turf off and off-track races. You will find that the winner usually is the cleanest of them all coming into the winner's circle. That's what I have for you today. I've got a couple of um, interesting side notes uh, for the business. We have a uh, three-week subscription for $99.95. We call it the Kentucky uh, Derby Preakness Double. Uh, you get everything, all-inclusive access from April 26th all the way through May 19th. It's $99.95, one, one, one payment, and uh, you get everything for three weeks. Uh, yes, you get Aqueduct. Yes, you get Belmont. Yes, you get Santa Anita. You get all access to the, to the uh, databases and our version of the formulator, the interactive race card. So many people write me and go, how do you not promote this more? This is fantastic. Check it out. It's on the all-inclusive access. You cannot get it through credits, but you can get it through inclusive access. Go to racingwithbruno.com. You can see it right there. $99.95 for three weeks. Uh, it comes out to be, uh, I think, $30 per week, uh, which is the cost of one simulcast edition. So it's not something that's overpriced. We've talked about two races today. The first race, uh, we told you and went on a limb that Ward and Rapoli would run 1-2 in the baby race at Aqueduct in the first. There's no value in those New York maiden races this early. None. And we talked about the second race, a mile and an eighth on, on the main track at Keeneland with the six-horse daring that we've been following from a, different, a couple of different angles. Uh, one of them being that Jose Ortiz worked a horse before uh, it debuted. Uh, he was going out of town. He got his brother to ride, held him out for him. Now he's on, and 
he's writing down here for for John's service with the help of Tyler's service, who's actually handling the string here at Keeneland. So we have that going. And if you're looking for credits and you don't want to get the three-week package, we have a lot of different credits at uh, packages at RacingWithBruno.com. Just scroll through our, our ribbon and, and go from there. Uh, it's been almost a 30-minute podcast. Where did the time go? Well, it's been fun. And uh, I hope to speak to you soon. And we'll have another podcast tomorrow updating you on track conditions, talking a little bit about uh, what's happened for the Saturday cards across the country. And uh, we'll go from there. Have a good day.